please join me for the litany of invitation and confession that's printed in your worship bulletin. God, who called all worlds into being, calls forth new life in us today. We walk with Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and Brother, into the waters of baptism. In so doing, we identify with others who struggle with faith, but who are called to faithful living. We confess that we do not always live in the faith that we proclaim. We do not love our neighbors and our enemies as Christ has commanded us. We ask for God's forgiveness. Beloved in Christ, God is merciful and full of grace. We are forgiven. Rejoice in the gift of love that makes us whole. Remembering our baptism and claiming God's love, we lift our voices in praise. To the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. Pardon the uh, technical difficulties. It's a good day to be here even on these cold days. The shepherds are home at, back at their fields. The wise men have returned to their books and we are here to worship God in this new year. So welcome. Especially welcome to those of you who are guests among us. There is on the order of, on the edge of the order of service, a welcome card. If you're a guest, you could complete that card, drop it in the plate. It'll help me connect name and face with you. Also, if there's a prayer request, uh, place that on the card. It's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need each week. So place that on the card and drop that in the plate. Today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. One of those rather obscure dates in the liturgical calendar, but we always observe it right after the Christmas season and right after the Epiphany to think through what did the baptism of Christ mean and what does our own baptism mean. Some baptism of the Lord's Sundays, we try to have a baptism in the worship service. Since it's 20 degrees outside, and since some don't think you've really had a baptism until you've had to chip away the ice to do so, uh, we don't have anyone to baptize today, but we do have our baptisms to remember. There is in the narthex a bowl of water, and though we as Baptists baptize by immersion, we have baptismal vows like Jesus Christ is Lord. And so as you leave today, you might stop at the water and remember your baptismal vows. The scriptures today are about that. The third lesson, the gospel lesson, is what I'll be preaching from, the baptism of Christ. It's the briefest of the gospel reports of that story, but it's the most fierce. The second lesson is about the early church, reminding the church that the Spirit of God is always connected to the waters of baptism. But then the text that we're about to hear right now is the beginning, the first, the baptism of the world as the Spirit of God brooded over the face of the deep. We open our hearts as well as our ears and celebrate this good day. Welcome. The world is created out of the artistry of God. A reading from the book of Genesis. 
In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. Here ends the first lesson. Please pray with me. Creator God, we rejoice in the artistry and beauty of your world. We thank you for your creation and your provision, and we're grateful for the promise and the potential that this new year holds. May we be faithful disciples in this year, using the gifts that you've given each of us for your glory. On this day, remind us of our own baptisms and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Walk with us so that we may walk in the way of Christ and grow in the knowledge of your love. Amen. The memory, the memory of baptism and the promise of the Holy Spirit. A reading from Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongue and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us up front. And you can use my microphone if yours isn't working. Lego City, a tower, a ship. What else? A castle. Yes, those are also things that you can create with Legos. I also like to use other things to create stuff, like like blankets and sheets and pillows to make a fort, and maybe. You could use a chair to help with that, yeah. Um, what are some things that you like to create? A house. Maybe you can draw a house, use paint or Play-Doh. What else can you create? My brother was made an elf Lego set out of Legos, but it was a Lego set. Yes, you can also use Legos to create lots of different things. You can create a song. You can create a dance. There are lots of things that you can create, right? In our story today, we learn about the very beginning of creation, when God said, let there be light. 
And then God said that it was good. It was very good. And then God separated the light from the dark and created day and night and said that that was good. And did you know that God created us too? Yeah. And God said that we are good. Sometimes when I create things, I get kind of hard on myself. I might think that it's not good enough or it's not tall enough, it's not pretty enough. I'm very hard on myself. But God doesn't think that way. God thinks that we are good enough. We are more than good enough. We are perfect to God. Nothing we could ever do or not do would make God think that we are not good enough. We are great to God. So I want you to remember that, okay? That God loves you so very much that you will always be good enough to God. Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your creation. Thank you for bringing light to the earth, and thank you for creating us. We thank you for loving us so well. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus is baptized by John, and the Spirit comes upon him. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
There's a lot that intrigues me about that peculiar text we just heard read. But the most peculiar thing to me is what reached up and grabbed me this week, is that when Jesus came up out of the water, by the way, if you ever want to have a discussion with someone about the modality of baptism, might want to reference that text, came up out of the water, he sees the heavens torn apart. What an interesting and fierce phrase. Why would Mark say such a thing? Luke doesn't, John doesn't, Matthew doesn't, but Mark does. The heavens are torn apart. In a minute, I'll do a walking tour through the book of Mark. There are a lot of torn things and torn lives in the book. It's almost like Mark from the very get-go is humming the melody, the song that he's going to sing, that whoever this Jesus is, he is one who shows up at the torn places of life. And he saw the heavens torn apart. This is one of those liminal moments, one of those thresholds of time where all of the future will be different and all of the past will be uh, uh, thought of differently. One of those times when we, with courage, make a decision to move on from where we've been, though we're not sure exactly where we're going. It is a threshold in time. Now, you know what that's like. We have all had those times, right? Maybe it was when you packed up and moved away from home. Maybe it's when you packed up and moved back home (laughs) or had others that moved in with you. Maybe it was when you swaddled that newborn baby for the first time in your arms. Maybe it was when you skied away from the Nazis and over into Sweden. Maybe it's when you stood at your mother's graveside and knew that the past meant something different and the future was going to be uncertain. Wherever you've been, you've had those times of life will never quite be the same again. Some of you may have had that experience while watching Georgia play Oklahoma this past weekend. Or maybe tomorrow when there allegedly is another game in town. The future is going to be different. The past is not the same. It's a moment in time. Jesus has one of those here. I admire the courage with which he brings to this moment. I admire the sense of self and spirituality he brings to this moment, to this torn place. Seems to me that we lack a lot of leadership in our world today that has that sense of self, that sense of spiritual depth and courage. Indeed, it's a torn place where things are coming unraveled and the edges are Afraid, and the people are afraid. There Jesus stands with all of who he is and all of that moment before God and before John and walking into that water, the same water that his ancestors had stood at 1,000 years before as they were leaving the past of Egypt in the wilderness and were walking into the promised land. The Gospel writer Mark knows nothing about wandering shepherds or wandering stars. If he does, he doesn't mention them. But when we see Jesus, he's ready to wade in the water. There are three questions that I had about this text as I was working on it. Here they are. Number one, I would like to ask Jesus, why now? Why now, Jesus? It's a therapy question, isn't it? Those of you who have had or are having that experience, the therapists often ask, so what is it that brings you to see me now? What has been the circumstances that have lined up for you to come today and not a year ago or two years ago or five years out? Luke it says that, that Jesus is around 30 years old. Perhaps he was a late bloomer in that culture. We don't know what made him say today is the day. I'm imagining that Jesus was, uh, I don't know, maybe he was sawing wood as the carpenter. 
and realizing that God also had cut a covenant with his people. And it was time to attend to that. And he puts the saw down and he heads toward the Jordan. Maybe he was nailing nails like carpenters do. And he stops and he looks and he wonders, I wonder, I wonder what I would be willing to die for. And he heads toward the Jordan. Or maybe he was working with a carpenter's plane, planing and planing and thinking about the Baptists preaching in the middle of the Jordan, quoting old Isaiah that will make the rough places plain. And he decided that he was going to invest his life not in the straightening out of wood, but in the being of the world the redemption and the healing of the world. We don't know why then, but Jesus lays aside the carpenter shop and moves on. Maybe you've had to make that decision, like in choosing to leave a profession on the way to a vocation and a calling. Whatever motivated Jesus, we can feel the call and tug within us as we think of our baptism. Why now? But there's another question, not only why now, but Jesus, why at all? I mean, this text kind of messes with our Christology, doesn't it? Why would Jesus need to, want to be baptized? John was baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I like my theology hermetically sealed. I like it airtight. It's either this or it's that. One or the other, neither nor one or the other. And yet, when it comes to this about Jesus, well, saint or sinner, why Jesus? Wednesday morning Bible study that I lead, uh, we discussed it. There was a consensus that he did so as an example to us about baptism. I say possibly so, but I myself say not primarily so. I believe he was baptized for some of the reasons that we are baptized, which is for God's sake and for his own sake. Jesus needed it. Whatever else baptism is, it is about a change of thinking, about whose life will I follow, It is about a connection with a faithful community, a church. It is about a ritual that claims that God is present in our individual choices, but also in our common community. When I am at my best, I am trying to live each day as a baptized person. To me, that means the courage to change the things I can, like the serenity prayer says it, But it also means a call to stay connected to my calling community. That would be you. People who comfort me, you who challenge me, you who hold me accountable. I am best when I'm in covenant with a baptized community. That's pretty much congruent with Christian theology. For Christians, there is no disembodied spirituality. In other words, you can't Skype the sacred. It is something about how we live, where we walk, and what we do. I see Jesus not just standing alongside being a spectator with arms crossed. Well, I'm going to see what happens down there at that church. Well, let's see if they get their act together. Let's see where this movement goes. No, Jesus is saying, I'm all in. Count me in. Wouldn't it be something if we could say with our theology that even Jesus needed a baptized community for him to become Jesus? It took a baptized community for Jesus to become Jesus. We're all in this together. He comes up out of the waters. The heavens are torn apart. That's the third question. Why now? Why at all? And Mark, why emphasize that the heavens need be torn apart? 
Well, this is a spiritual transition. Now, I thought that spiritual transitions, even for Jesus, are smooth. But I have found that not to be so. Have you? Not even for Jesus. He comes out of the water, the heavens are torn, and I believe that Mark is beginning to sing the theme song, humming the melody, which will weave its way through every page of his gospel. For instance, the first thing that Jesus does in ministry, before even the end of the first chapter, is that he goes to synagogue, and there's a demon-possessed man that meets him at the door of the synagogue. I always find that interesting. Where do you go to find the, find the devil? Come to church. Right there. But, good place to come. The man is torn apart between spirit and soul and mind. And I bet the synagogue is too. Jesus leaves him. Then there's a man that comes with leprosy who's been torn from his community because of the disease that they feared was so, was so rampant. Then Jesus observes his ministry, working with people of torn lives and relationships. And then when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the way to the cross, Mark says, he is distressed and agitated and throws himself to the ground. And that's where he prays, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. There's a tornness even in the soul of Jesus. And when he dies on the cross... There's another tearing. The veil in the temple is torn from top to bottom. The end of Mark's gospel that we have as Mark 16 is ragged and torn at the end. It's almost like someone was writing and it just got ripped off. Where the gospel does end in that chapter, it says the women, this is the last verse, the women leave the tomb terrified, spoke nothing to anybody because they were afraid. The gospel of the Lord. That's it. Now, is that any way to run a resurrection? My goodness. But it ends up torn. Torn people. Torn times. But that is exactly where Jesus is and where the Spirit is. That's the melody that he sings. And I think it's an answer to the question, why? Whatever it means to be Jesus, it means that Jesus is the one who shows up at the torn places of life. Now, you brought your torn places into this place, didn't you? Uh, The decisions that you are having to make, the choices that you are struggling with, children that you're trying to rear, parents that you're trying to tend. We're torn about our decisions. We're torn about our choices And yet, this is the gospel today that that is exactly where Jesus shows up in the torn places, the unraveled places, the frayed and afraid places. Bring that today. Bring it when you come to communion, those torn places in you, those broken places in you. Because remember how the story got started about this with Jesus breaking the bread and saying, this is my body broken for you. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. It is the time where we take the healing medicine of the table and find our souls in repair. It is a place not for perfect people, but for people who are seeking to be healed. 
healed in their torn places. That's what the Spirit does. That's the Spirit's healing. We sing about that presence of the Holy Spirit, and as we do so, we stand together and sing. Whenever we gather, we have an opportunity to share our concerns and our news and our celebrations, and I I bring you a few of those this morning. A new hard copy version of the Pinnacle will be located on the table in the narthex. As you leave, uh, feel free to pick up a copy, and you can see uh, a few of these announcements. So, for example, um, there will be no Triple E this month. Triple E will convene on February the 6th. Note the date change. And be looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday, Um, Super Bowl Sunday. I had to learn that was spelled differently here because we bring our soups and our contributions go uh, to help support the Hunger Fund. If you would like to volunteer for that, please contact Mona Steins. A few weeks ago, I uh, was able to be present at the invitation of Uh, David Wooten and Barbara Ashley at the dedication ceremony for uh, the the family of Olivia Moore and her children that the Habitat for Humanity home was dedicated for. And that was a great opportunity to see that family um, come together, take possession of that home. From the the first time that we and several other volunteers gathered together to to raise the foundations of that home, seeing the walls come up, to see it completed, uh, and the family there was a great joy. So we celebrate with the Moore family, and I thank the, the hard work of the many volunteers at this church for the passion they, they pour into that. Thank you for your giving spirit. Uh, we have some other uh, concerns to share with you in our own church family. Barney Moore fell 
uh, last week and is at Grady Hospital. He is stable and recovering. Please be praying for Barney and for Angie and for uh, their entire family. For Betsy Walker, who is still hospitalized at Piedmont, and for Wilton Looney, who uh, is at his home receiving health care there. We pray for all of these families. We lift them up, as do we lift up uh, the many tragedies and concerns we have in our world. For example, the, the horrible fire that occurred in uh, the Bronx a couple of weeks ago, and the continuing uh, threat of war that we face. Every night, I pray with the children, may you end war. May you bring an end to war. And may that be the prayer of the church this year and going forward. Let's continue with the worship of God, with the giving of our tithes and offerings through this hymn by the British musician John Rutter, who set to music a 15th century hymn.
two ordinances that we celebrate in our church. One is baptism and the other is Holy Communion. The Holy Communion is offered to all of God's people who would like to participate. The litany and liturgy is in the insert in your order of worship, the service of Holy Communion. The choir will be coming first and then all of you will come forward up the center aisle. There'll be two places to be served and it is by intention, by taking the bread and it's real bread, dipping it into the cup and eating and then returning up the center aisle. At this time, let us celebrate the service of Holy Communing, Communion by reading responsibly the Sorsum Corda. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome to this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen. Jesus, Lamb of God, 
Please stand for the prayer of thanksgiving. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. So go our ways this week, nourished and healed, bringing our torn places to God and finding grace to go on. Remember these words, may the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go into this new year in peace, in Christ's name. Amen.